Welcome to the Humans of Mila podcast, presented by the Malia Jones Network. You know, I couldn't walk without falling. Uh, my legs were, they didn't work, you know, and so that was pretty much when I had the defining moment of, you know, I have to learn how to work smarter, not harder, and I need passive income. It's time to get inside the minds of hustlers. What do they do on a daily basis to separate themselves from the competition? What helps me is to keep the hard times in the front of my mind. This allows me to go into these big moments with a different perspective. They're local, but definitely not average. These are the humans of Nila. Here with Christine Carodi. This is Malia Jones of the Malia Jones Network, and today we are talking about uh, the power of prayer, the gifts of the Spirit, and how do we prepare for coming days. Okay, um, Chris's message is that Jesus is coming, and in order to get right with the Lord, she's going to give us some practical things that we can do right now to stay on top of our Jesus game. Woo woo! And so uh, tell us a little bit about um, your background, kind of just briefly, like you were ordinary at some point, and then there was a defining moment in your life where you changed and you turned on the hustle for God. Um, you know, a lot of the people we're interviewing, all of the people we're interviewing have a huge hustle, a huge drive, a huge inner uh, unwrestling of what what they're passionate about and how they're how they're moving their businesses forward. So yours is more on a spiritual realm. So what is the hustle inside of you and how did you become the way you are today? The defining moment. I had a need in my life, a very urgent need, and it dealt with my children. And I did not want to see my children lost. And on the path, that they were going, it was not for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> a lot of times in our path, we're on that path for our own good, what we want. It's not what God wants, but it's our path. We chose that path. But Jesus wants us to be on the path for Him, to set our sights on Him. When we get that way and we set our path on Jesus, it's a love like nobody else has. You will lay down your life for him no matter what. You love him so much. It is like when you find your first love, your very first love, and you're so in love with that person. It doesn't matter what they do to you. They can be just as mean to you, and you still love them. You want to make them happy. And nobody else can do that for you. And so, but Jesus promised when we serve him and we put God first, it doesn't matter what happens around us in the world. It can be falling apart. But inside of us, we have peace and satisfaction knowing Jesus Christ is right here with us. He lives inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me, or I call him the Holy Ghost. And it's just an awesome feeling. And at times, that urge comes up on me, and it's a powerful urge that I want everybody to know about it. And I want to overcome them people 
you got to know Jesus the way I know Jesus, this love that nobody else can give you. You kind of compared it to um, like your first love, you know, and a lot of times I think people think that they have a relationship with the Lord, but it may not be a love affair. It may not be like I'm in love with the Lord and I'll lay down my life. I'll do anything for, um, you know, so how do you develop that relationship, you know, through like how much time would you say you spend a day in prayer? Well, it depends on if the Holy Spirit leads me to go pray. It depends on if somebody texts me and they have a very urgent need, like life and death situation, and I go pray. And then when you go and enter into that closet, and I have a small little bitty closet. It's probably a four by five because I can't lay out straight. <clears throat> and you shut that door. And you stay in there until you feel a release. Something happened in the spiritual realm. I am one, I'm a workaholic. When I first go in, when I get up in the morning time and I go pray, I have to lay there for hours sometimes to get everything off of my mind. Because everything comes into my mind, what I've got to do that day. And I've got a lot on my plate a lot going on, packages I got to get out, customers I got to deal with. But then I got to know what the Holy Spirit wants. So which is greater, my business or what the Lord and the Holy Spirit wants? I got to find out what the Lord wants, the Holy Spirit. And that's where people don't understand that. They go into their closet or they get on their knees 10, 15 minutes 20 minutes, they said their That's prayers. That's me. You set a timer, like, I've got this much amount of time. I'm going to say what i got to say. I'm going to get, it's like a to-do rather okay. than, right. When the Holy Spirit, let's say he wants you to go pray, you go into your prayer closet. You just fall out. Okay, God, here I am. And it may take 10, 15 minutes before he is really going to get to that place to speak to you. You get quiet quiet and things begin to come into your mind well, where did that come from a bible scripture will pop in there well is that in the bible did i read that and then you turn on the light and you go through the bible well there it is i did read that i guess and you turn the light back off i like it dark and then other scriptures come well, is that me or is it the Holy Spirit? And then you have this like something dwelling inside of you like a volcano-like is the best I can put it. It just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles until it comes out. And it's moaning and groaning. Then you see somebody's face. Okay, you want me to pray for that person. You start praying for that person in another language. Then somebody else's face pops in. Now, you went in there to pray for somebody else, but all these other people's faces popping in, popping in. And then you see somebody doing something. Well, that ain't right. They shouldn't be doing that. It's kind of like visions, but it's in your mind. I know my sister, she has visions, and they're like a TV set. She's watching it. And it's called an open vision. 
And that's in the Old Testament. They had open visions. Paul, Saul had open visions. I cannot say I've ever had an open vision, but I have had dreams. And in these dreams, I go to different places. I walk these streets. And I know I'm there. I feel it. The people talk to me in their language, and I understand their language in these dreams. And some of these dreams that I have come to pass. And when did you start having the dreams? Okay, well, let's talk about the nine um, gifts of the Spirit, because that is one of the gifts. And so what are the nine gifts? And um, tell me about uh, how you've like honed that gift to make it some Okay, the nine gifts are in... 1 Corinthians 12, and it, it starts with verse 6. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For one is given this by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another is the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. To another is the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of the spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. So do you feel like everybody has a gift and then what would you consider your gifts? Everybody can have a gift if they ask the Lord for it. When you seek the Lord, it's like the Holy Spirit. This is the way I believe. This is the way I tell other people. When you get saved... The Holy Spirit drew you. He woos you. Come to me. Come to the Lord. And you get saved and you give your heart and life to the Lord. Okay. That's where you stop. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus commanded us, or he commanded the the disciples, to go seek the Holy Ghost. And it will empower you. And they needed it back then because of all the persecutions they went through. They had to have something more because Jesus is no longer with them. Only the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So it comes up on you inside. It comes up from deep within and it's a power that just flows out. You know what to say at that moment, at that time. And you wonder, where did that come from? How did I remember that? It was the Holy Ghost. So when you seek to be empowered with the Holy Ghost, you will find Him. When you seek for Him with all of your heart. And it's awesome. It is awesome. Mm -hmm. It is a feeling like like when you had your first child. That love. You never thought you could love anything as much as you did that baby. Mm -hmm. That's that love. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, 
How can you love your neighbor as yourself? You can't. Unless it's that Jesus love. The agape love. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And if you want to know something, you search the scriptures. Because Jesus said, in them, you think you have life, but you can have it more abundantly. It's more. I mean, I've read this Bible for years, from cover to cover, from cover to cover. But still, I find things in there I didn't know that was in there. Because he enlightened it. My eyes were opened when I read it. And I understood what it said. I just didn't take that one thing and look at it and read. Because I've done that before, just read and read. Well, I read my scriptures for today. Closed my Bible, put it up, went on. I read my Bible. But I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the Word. He said, know the Word. Yesterday, it. Um, when we talked the other day, you said sometimes you will take one word and meditate on it um, for a really long time. Maybe the word is suddenly, mm -hmm. or you know, you mentioned a couple of other words that one day they'll mean one thing to you, and then as you grow in the spirit, they'll mean more and more. The relationship gets deeper and deeper in that way. So, <clears throat> your gift of dreams, like, okay, so you were ordinary, you didn't always have these gifts, then you, what happened, okay, so you're, you had a family situation several years back, and you just started praying, you went into the closet, you stayed there, you put that above everything else, and then what started happening? How did you develop the gift of dreams, um, and what, what does that mean now? I just ask God to show me, to speak to me, for the Holy Spirit to guide me. Which way does he want me to go? What does he want me to do? And I just begin to take the word and pray over the word and speak the word. You have to know the word and speak it. Yes. It's like a two-edged sword. I mean, it divides. It pierces. And so <clears throat> I just begin to have these dreams and at first, I didn't think anything about it until one day I had this dream. I mean, I wrote them down in my book, all my little dreams. And I've always had dreams, but I never really knew anything about it until this one day back in 2016. It was February. And I said, I saw trees, looked like rotting trees and water, and I wrote lots of water, water everywhere, and it happened, the flood. Well, in the paper. I think it's so cool that you keep that. March and have 15, it 2016. That's Harper's birthday. And it says, water, water everywhere. And my husband took notice of that. Chef Hans. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He said, how did you know that? I said, my dream, my dream. And so I really began to go back at the other dreams that I had written down. And I thought, well, some of these have happened. They have happened. And it's scary. It's scary thinking God's showing you what's going to happen in the future. And, what and, and who do you that? tell? What gift is that? Is that the gift of prophecy in a sense? I, guess I think so, the gift of prophecy. Right. And so what's happening is you're getting these dreams and then you have this huge responsibility of sharing it and 
what do you say and who do you tell and how do you determine that? You just pray on it and ask for discernment? You just pray and God directs you and he brings you into the right realm with the right people. Because you pray, God, how, you know, are, are some dreams you have to figure them out? What do they really mean? Uh, because it doesn't really mean anything about the what the dream was. And you got to figure out, well, I write it down, I draw pictures, and then God brings the people into my path to help me with these dreams to get the interpretation correct. And it's just, it's amazing. It just blows me away that God wants to use me. Little old me, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, I'm not real smart. I never really got a college degree, even though I wanted one. But I put my family first. Then I put my children first. Yes, I studied on the side. I'd go get little bitty certificates because I was always studying, always looking, always searching. But when I finally realized Jesus had to be number one, Jesus had to be number one. It's not my family. It's not my husband because they'll leave you. It has to be Jesus. You put everything aside. Everything. Family, kids, grandchildren, and you know they're number one priority with me. You put it all aside. It's Jesus. What do you want? What do you want? I lay it all out before you. What do you want? I want everything you got. And then he starts blessing you with the gifts. He, he blesses me with the gifts. He opens doors that are closed. That I don't have numbers to put the codes in these doors and they just open up and I walk through to tell somebody, hey, I had this dream. It's about your husband. This is what God said. And then you walk out and you just, you're blown away wondering, what was that keypad for? Well, I'm supposed to put a number in. I didn't have a number. The door just opened. That's what God will do. It's a reality. In the Bible, Philip was transported. He was in a chariot. I mean, he got down there and he baptized that man. Then he was gone in a city. And that man was there by himself. God still does things like that. We don't believe it. Just like this virus thing, we don't believe that. We think that's a government control. Well, let me tell you what, it is here. God has allowed this to get people on their knees because when that rapture of the church does play, take place, they cannot say, well, I didn't have time to pray. Oh, why? Because guess what? You're supposed to be shut up inside right now, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's going to be no excuse when we stand before Jesus Christ. He said, I will have no unclean thing before me. Think about that. Be ye holy as I am holy. I can take this Bible here. I can make it say anything I want it to say. Anything. I can pull a scripture out of here, and I can go by that one scripture. Don't mean it's right, because you didn't read the rest of it. When Jesus came, the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to kill him because they didn't do what the law said. 
Think about that. Man, it was kind of like he was rebellious because he didn't want to do their rules and their regulations and their laws. Jesus said, I came to do my father's business because I hear the father talking to me. The father and I are one. Jesus said, I want you and I to be one. Well, how can we be one if we got uncleanness in our heart? We can't. No unclean thing is going to be in heaven. So that means you better drop off anything, anything. And he's told me that several times. No unclean thing. And I have to say, what am I doing wrong? Well, that's what I was going to say because sometimes, you know, you may be doing something unclean, but you're not privy to that information in the moment you're in it. You, it may come later, you know, and just like we were talking to Leon earlier this week, and he was talking about it's a process, you know, how he's constantly making inter- incremental strides to be, you know, more holistic, you know, eat less meat until there's no meat eaten, you know. I mean, so ha- it, this is a process. I mean, you can't turn on perfect overnight. So what is the process and where do we start? When you pray and you have to pray with an earnest heart, and you say, okay, God, I want to serve you. Jesus Christ, forgive me of all my sins coming to my heart and live. Help me to be like you. The Holy Spirit behind you, beside you, begins to draw you closer. And when you do something, you feel conviction. Well, I don't think I need to do that anymore. Or you're in a crowd of people... And you know those people are, you like these people, but you don't like the things that they're doing. And then you begin to think, oh, I can't do this no more. You know, I feel like I'm convicted doing this. And when the Bible says sin is when you know to do good and you do it not, that's sin. So you got to come out from that. Come out from among them, God said. Be ye separate. Be ye holy, even as I am holy. So what is holy? Read the Word. Find out. Study it. Anything and everything, all these books that I have, I study. Study, study, study. And then the Holy Spirit will show you what's right. I can't tell you what's right within yourself. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's definitely a commitment because it's just like knowledge and power and education. The more you know the more responsible you are to do good with with what you know. And so there is a big responsibility that comes along with learning more and knowing more. And the more you study, the more you know, the better you get, you know. You just want to place Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. And what pleases Jesus is you live a clean life. What comes out of your mouth is clean. Because bitter and sweet water don't come out of the same fountain. That's what Jesus said. Okay? It's going to be holy. You are walking holy. And everybody around you notices it. I tell you, like my husband today, somebody called me in prayer. He was blown away. He said, I never thought I'd see that. I never thought I'd hear that. He said, write this down in your little book. I got a little book. Things happen. Okay? 
I'll tell you this from the Lord before I tell you that. In January the 13th, 2020, while praying today, these words came, summer, sombering effects, sad, gloomy, and dark. I was praying for souls and for our nation. Something is about to happen to bring souls in. I plead the blood of Jesus over my loved ones. I plead the blood of Jesus. I don't want my children dying and go to hell. My grandbabies. What this world is teaching them now is not about Jesus. It's about the things of the world. Mm -hmm. We have got to get out of the world and into the spiritual realm. It's about Jesus Christ. Everything else is going to die. It's going to burn up. What lasts is what Jesus Christ told us. When we live by this word and we're holy like him, we want to see souls saved because that soul's going to hell. And I know hell is real because when I was a little girl, I died. And this is really real. And I went to the pit, and it was an awful place. But when I come out of it, my mama was there praying, praying for me. And I changed. And I was about nine years old. But I didn't tell anybody that. Then my brother, he died. He told me the same thing that happened to him. And he didn't know my tale. But he told me the same thing. And he said, it's hot. There's flames. People are screaming and hollering and moaning. Well, it's like when Papa died. You know, I mean, so I have a kind of a personal experience with that. Because I remember when we got the call, I was teaching a class. I was working at um, another real estate company at the time. Got the call, uh, got two missed calls from my dad, and I was in the middle of class, and then my mom called, and she never called unless she needed something. So I said, hello, and she was like, hey, your papa's dying, like you need to go to the hospital. And I said, okay, you know, I'll be right there. So I asked the ladies in the class, you know, to pray with me, so we prayed for him, and what we were praying for is he had never found his uh, salvation, you know, I mean, he had never even accepted Christ into his heart and never asked Christ to, um, you know, minister to him or anything, and so... Um, my dad had been praying that for decades, you know, for my papa to find salvation. And so what happened is we prayed, went to the hospital. Jamie called you immediately and was like, start praying from Leah's grandpa. You know, he is dying. Like he, he's not going to make it past this and, um, you know, whatever. So, uh, we got to the hospital and I remember you praying and laying hands on him and saying, um, Ezekiel 16 and six. And it said something along the lines of, I passed you by, I saw you splash around your blood and said, live. And he had had an aortic aneurysm and had all but died. You know, I mean, it was not, um, you know, I mean, I saw him and he literally was scared to death. You know, I mean, the man that walked out of his house that day in his hat and his overalls and his boots was now naked in a hospital gown, no teeth, no hearing aids, no glasses. I mean, looked like he aged, you know, 50 years in that day. 
And, you know, I just remember thinking, he's not ready. He's scared. You know, he doesn't know what's about to happen. Like, he, his soul is about to be sucked out of him and, you know, sent to hell because he has not accepted Christ as his Savior. And I remember we prayed and prayed, and I asked my work family at that time to pray with me. And um, the next thing we know, they're coming out saying that, you know, they had done the surgery. All things worked out. It was a miracle. They called him the miracle man at that time and that was several years ago and then a year later he he come he had a dream he had a vision and he said that he saw hell and he said that then he saw heaven and it looked like he was holding like a hexagonal prism and was looking in and everything he saw gave him a sense of peace and whenever he came to he knew that he didn't want this he wanted that and he sought that out and asked to be saved and baptized and then was baptized, I guess, the next year whenever all of his wounds and stuff healed. But So you saw something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go there. That's all I can say. You don't want to go there. It's forever and ever and ever. You cannot get out. Your life here is over. It's that spiritual world. So... Coming into the end times, you know, whether it be now or a thousand years, the message is to be prepared. Always be working um, towards a relationship with Jesus and know that at any moment, you know, you could even die. I mean, not necessarily the end of times, you know, I mean, it could just be you're taken out of this world. And, you know, know that, you know, you have to live prepared. So um, just say... Um, we are in the end times. Talk about what that's going to look like for the people who are Christians and talk about that for the people who are not. On the end times? Mm-hmm. If they don't make it? Right. Well, <clears throat> once the rapture takes place, and the word rapture is not in here. It says changed in the twinkling of an eye. The dead will be raised. We which remain, we'll put on immortality and rise up. Then, in Revelation, the Antichrist comes on the scene, which he's already here. We don't know who he is. Why do you say he's already here? Well, I just feel like he's already here because it's going to be a man that comes on the scene. So that person has to be already born and living. So, if, if it were to happen within the next however amount of time. Right. So, I, I mean, I just feel like he's already here. <clears throat> Everything is really, the whole world is in chaos. It's not their country, my country, the whole world. It's a global thing, mm-hmm. and it's in chaos. So, there's going to be three and a half years of peace and prosperity, according to Revelation. And if you go back, it's in Daniel, it's in Ezekiel, most of the old prophets saw a little bit of it. So in that time, it talks about the mark of the beast, the number of a man. And it will be stamped either in your forehead or in your right hand. This is after the people have already, the Christians are gone at this point. Right. Raptures happen. Right. And so this is what's going to happen afterwards. Right. Okay. And so... They live in peace and prosperity. They've taken the mark, the ones that take the mark. Not everybody's going to take the mark. Do you think that the mark will be something that you know you're taking if you are not a Christian? I mean, because apparently you're left here because you're not a Christian. 
So do you think that you will understand what you're doing when that happens? Yeah, I'm sure they're going to tell you. You got to take this mark because if you don't take this mark, then you cannot buy or sell. You can't basically cannot live. And when you take that mark, then I believe that evil spirit comes in you. And you just kind of become like one of their zombies. Like the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I believe you're just going to be become like them. So then there's going to be family members in that family that's not going to take it. And so there's going to be fighting and just, it's going to be terrible. So those that don't take the mark and they're going to run and try to hide and all this, but they, you know, it's going to be hard. If you can't do it now, how are you going to do it then? It's going to be hard. Right. We've been four days into this and people are acting like, you know, it's a major Yeah, the way you have paper. Exactly. You no know. paper. I mean, what's the deal with that? Right. Four days. But anyway, if you, if you, right now, if you are saved and got the blood of Jesus covering you, you are going to be fine. If you really have the blood of Jesus covering you, but you better make sure you got the blood of Jesus covering you. And tell me what that means, okay? So that means pray the blood of Jesus over yourself, over your family, no, speak it. You have to be saved. Right, okay, yes. You have to ask Jesus to come into your heart and your life and live for Jesus. And that blood covering covers you and your babies. Because that's what Jesus said to do. Plead the blood. Mm -hmm. So, so those people that are left, and just say this zombie apocalypse. Okay, so they're they're the the ones who have taken the mark. They're running the rule. They're doing kind of creating chaos, and then the other ones are just kind of doing what they do until what happens. It's gonna be like kind of like in Paul Saul's day. You know, he went around trying to crucify all the Christians. You know, kill them, persecute them, and and that's how Stephen got stoned. Well, Paul was right there. Saul was right there. And that's the way it's going to be when this happens. They're going to be wanting to crucify all those Christians. Kill them. Just take kill them. Their, they're take the mark. Kill them. Kill them. Right. And take their goods. You know, yeah. they're not good. You know. And they're going to die. It says a lot of them will die during this time. Mm -hmm. And so then. So do those people get an opportunity to go to heaven if they don't take the mark? Yes. That's the, that's the choice mm -hmm. at that point. Yes. Okay, and then um, the ones who have taken the mark, what happens at that point? When do the four horse come into play? Are you thinking It's the next three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then it describes them in Revelation. It's the white horse. And I think this then is the pale horse, the red horse, and then the black horse. And it's just destruction after that. The prayers of saints are loosed and... It's just total destruction. You don't want to live then. That's all I got to say. So from what I'm hearing you say, though, if it's three and a half years of peace after you take this mark, then we'll be looking at, I mean, what would your prediction be as far as a time frame? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't know because God's years are different from our years, mm -hmm. I believe. And nobody will know when he's... No. Just and, like nobody will know when the rapture takes place. Right. And, you know, I think for years, a lot of people have run religion kind of in a fear factor, you know, trying to get people to do what they need them to do through that, you know, and religion has turned off. Like I was talking to a, a Gen Xer earlier, and he was basically saying, 
you know, a lot of the Gen X um, are turned off by religion because, you know, they're not open and accepting and, um, you know, it's not the way of the world. It's not the way the world has kind of taught um, us to be as human, you know, there's this human connection. So there's a big pull between, you know, the old school Christians who believe one way and then even new school Christians who have a different set of guidelines, you know, that they live by, they have a relationship with Jesus, but they also have a more openness and willingness of acceptance. So, I mean, there's a huge gap. Um, and I think that a lot of, um, younger folks may not be Christians because they're turned off by the, what they've been, you know, and even my papa, you know, that was one of the things you would talk about Christ and he would literally put his fingers in his ears because he was raised fire and brimstone and it did not, the delivery never hit into his heart until he experienced it on his own. So how would you coach or mentor young people to find that relationship and what's one thing they can do, say, in the next 24 hours to try to get themselves on track? Um, it's about the love of Jesus. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to love. And I believe when people die, if they're not right, now this is my feeling, when they go out into eternity and they see Jesus and they're not right, they cannot get close to Jesus because they're so ashamed and they fall off. Because it's just like your child. He loves you so much. And when he does something wrong, I don't want Mama to find out. Mama will be hurt if she finds out. I don't want her to know. Because he loves you so much. And I really believe that's how it's, it's just going to be a thing. We can't get close to him if we've got sin in our life. Because Jesus is beaming and holy and has so much love that this person that didn't live for Jesus and had unholiness in him, they're just kind of, they can't get close to him and they fall off. They gone. They can't get close. They had a chance. They couldn't get close to him because of their sin. But it's the love of Jesus. When you love somebody, it doesn't matter what they do. You forgive them. I forgive you. People have wronged me. I forgive them. And that's a hard thing to do. Some of the things that some people did to me. It's hard. But I don't hate them. I love them and I want them to know Jesus. And I hadn't always been there. Because I had hate in my heart. And I had to get rid of that. But when you love Jesus with all your heart, you want them saved. You want them to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. It's love. And that's the most important it's thing. It's love. Jesus went to those that were unlovable to bring them in. I don't want to beat you over the head to get you in here and get you saved. Because then you might not. You might not stay, and then you'll be worse than you ever were. But when you come in and you feel that love, and it's different, you feel that radiance. It's just beaming all over you. And that's what I was going to tell you about today. My husband said, write this down in your book today. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Write that down in your little book. And I wrote it down. 
My husband said, write this down. Victory is mine because you prayed for years for this person and they called you today for prayer. And he went about singing, victory, victory is mine, out loud. I've never heard him sing. That's awesome. Out loud. Man, I was just rejoicing. He's singing. He's singing, victory is mine in Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. It is amazing. And it's that joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory mm-hmm. that you can sing in a time like this. It is a somber and a sad time and a gray and a dark time because people are dying. But I have that joy in my heart. Mm-hmm. If I die, I'm going to heaven. I lay down this here body, this here, my clothes that I got on right now is the way I put it. This is my clothes. I'm going to lay these clothes down. And I put on that bright white cloak. And I'm going to be shining and beaming because Jesus is right there. When my mama died, when she before she died that night, she said, Jesus came to me and told me I'm going to go to heaven with him in the morning. I got to get my clothes on. And she'd been in the nursing home for three years, paralyzed. And we said, okay, mama. And we got her ready. She went home to be with Jesus the next morning, just like she said, just like she said. And if mama said something, you write it down. It was going to happen because God, he told her. And I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be exactly what God told me. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you everything that the Bible says because I don't forgot it. I can't tell you where it's located in here. But we'll search it and find out where it's at. And if it's right, and if you want to know if you're doing something and it's wrong, well, let's go to the Word. Let's research it. Let's find out for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I want you to go to heaven. It's mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Love. There's going to be a banquet table, and we're going to feast because of love. Jesus gave his life. He didn't have to. He wanted to. Why? He loved us, just like all them people that crucified him. He loved them. He loved them. That's what's amazing. It is amazing, and for us to not see it that way on an everyday, you know, um, just waking up and saying, you know, good morning, Lord. You know, I love you. Thank you for, you know, and it is very easy for me. I'm a pretty optimistic person. So it's very easy for me to wake up and say, thank you, God, for this day. You know, thank you, God, for these blessings, you know, these people in my life. It's really easy. But for some people, it's not easy to wake up and have that gratitude and that. So, I mean, if it's not easy, how do you push through? I mean, what do you do? You, you get in the word, you pray, you get your heart right. And then you just keep you don't working look on at it. your circumstances. You know, if I'd have looked at my circumstances way back, it was terrible. I mean, there was days I didn't know how I was going to feed me and my son. But I just asked Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something. I had a house note, I had a vehicle note, and I was on salary. And it was just my salary. And I had to do something. And I just prayed. And I said, okay. 
Here it is. I called my sister and I said, what do I do? She said, open your Bible to Deuteronomy 28. Take all your bills, stuff it in there, and we're going to pray. You told this to a friend of mine and she did it and it worked. It, it worked. worked. Okay, it works. So it's, take your bills, mm -hmm. put them in Deuteronomy 28, and you pray. You pray. You pray, God. Help me. Which one you want me to pay for? And your creditors call. And you just tell them the story. I'm trying to do the best that I can with God's help. Please help me to do this. I want to pay my bills. And they begin to write them off. But it's God dealing with their heart. Mm -hmm. God changes every situation. He's always working for our good. That's right. But we have to put that love of Jesus there. Mm -hmm. We don't condemn anybody. Who is it us to judge? Well, and that's one of my favorite scriptures because, you know, it says that you will be judged and by the by the measure in which you judge. So, I mean, to me, it's Judge like, not, lest right. you be judged. Right. Okay? And I believe God has given each and every one of us that within ourselves. And we want to judge somebody. And a lot of times that's according to doctrine. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. We have ten commandments to follow. Ten commandments. Out of that ten commandments come everything else. But sometimes we're trying to take it upon our own self to get you right. Mm. Well, I can't get you right. Mm. Only Jesus can. Mm. When you determine within your own self. So in my Bible study, you know, we constantly talk about like interceding for people who need a relationship with Christ. And we put these people's names in this bucket. And we've been praying and praying and praying um, for the Lord to start a movement and start working in their life, you know, and I mean, it feels really good to pray for people because you want something so bad for them. Um, and I'm sure that Jesus... But why do you want that so bad for them? So they don't go to hell. You why? Know? Because you love them. That's right. Love. Mm -hmm. It all stems on love. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we get that in our hearts, you love them like Jesus loves them. And if you don't look at them and their sin, you look at them in their heart. Mm -hmm. They're going to hell. And they might be gone tomorrow or tonight. Look, God told me, something inside of me told me to go pray for a neighbor one time. And I was scared of that neighbor because he was kind of mean. And But I did. I walked over there and I kind of tiptoed around him, and I wanted to really talk to that man, but man, he was so gruff and mean, and finally he told me to leave, and I didn't say what I had to say. That man died that night, and I felt so bad because I didn't do what God told me to do. He told me to go talk to that man about his salvation, and I didn't. I was scared of that man. I was young, and I didn't do it. And I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. And it took me a long time to get over that. Because I knew that man went to hell. And I know that you believe that you'll be held to account for that to some extent. You know, because you were telling me if you allow people around you to sin, you're basically taking on their sin. So, I mean, right. you have to be super careful about But you make sure that it's the Holy Spirit dealing with you mm -hmm. to do that. Don't take it upon yourself to say, oh, I'm going to go talk over here and talk to that person because they're doing wrong. Right. Well, did the Holy Spirit tell you that? Right. Or was that you judging it? Right. There's two different things there. 
Exactly. You let the Holy Spirit and Jesus guide you and lead you. You'll know it's that welling up inside of you, that wooing, mm -hmm. that you feel that love for that person and you don't want them to go to hell. You love them so much. And that's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, they are unlovable. I know some that's unlovable. Mm -hmm. But you don't look at that. You look beyond that. They're a soul. And that's what Jesus, that's what he saw. Like John, the beloved. He loved Jesus so much. He couldn't get enough of him. Just like when you love your babies, and I love every baby. I could just take them and eat them up, you know, kiss them all over. They're not mine, but I just love them. Well, that's the way John the Baptist was with Jesus. He just couldn't get enough of Jesus because it was that longing to be with him. And that's how he could write Revelation. It didn't matter what anybody, they do to you. You love Jesus. They can kill me. They can pluck out my fingernails or whatever. I love Jesus. That's how all these people overseas, they do not deny Jesus. They let them do anything to them before they kill them because they love Jesus. So much. So much. Well, and that's what the, I saw this thing yesterday and she was talking about James, you know, in, in every opportunity or in every trial, there's an opportunity to, to see good and to do good. And then she said, and even if these are the end times and even if nothing ever works out good for me again, I'll still praise you. Well, that's like King David. It, the Bible says he had a heart after God. And to me, I see him as a type of Jesus Christ because he loved people. He loved people. I mean, he just could not get enough of them. You know what I'm saying? He mm -hmm. just loved them until the sin entered in and he let the lust come in, but he loved. And then he took that ark and he built it up and he would get up under there and he would hide and seek the Lord and pray. That's kind of how I am now. Was I always a real Christian? No. Did I go to church? Yes. I did. I sat on a pew. I thought I was a Christian. Read my Bible. I prayed, said my little prayer. I thought I was going to heaven. But I really didn't love Jesus. There's a big difference. When you really love Jesus with all your heart, you want everybody else saved. You want everybody else to go to heaven with you. You have a huge responsibility to tell them. You do. And that's what you, you sure have. With that's love. what I have. With love. That's right. You may not agree with them, but you love them. And you want to love them into heaven. Yeah. Ooh, so good. You've been listening to the Humans of Neela podcast presented by the Malia Jones Network.